This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And welcome to the Vedic Wisdom. Thank you for being with us today. I'd like to talk to you today about the different degrees or different concepts of faith. Now, in the Vedic literature, it's described that the faith one develops in the bodily condition, where one is conditioned by a material body, is in three divisions. Now, before we get into that, I want to go back to the overriding position and concept that one needs to understand about his existence. The eternal living entity is a part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. And in that position, he is eternal. He is transcendental. Now, transcendental means he is above, outside of the material tabernacle, the material modes of nature, the material contamination, if you will. Now, if we misuse our independence, we develop a alternative perspective. We develop a controlling perspective. We end up in the material world. This is where the misconception and dominance and control leads one. It's into the material world. That means that one takes birth in one of the many of species within the material world according to his work, according to his desires. And he's given a conditioned state And according to his particular existence under the modes of nature, he similarly develops a type of faith. Now, that faith is a temporary condition, just like his temporary body is. Because the faith comes with the bodily conception of life. So, originally, we are all part and parcel, fragmented part and parcels of the Supreme Personality of Godhead with minute independence, but all the qualities of the Lord in small proportion. Our transcendental existence is our normal, natural condition. But when we become separated in mentality and we become independent and rebellious in mentality, We're given a body in the material world where we can exercise those desires. And when the faith is developed in a particular mode of nature, one then believes his position to be identified with the material body and his faith is identified with the material body. When actually, both of them are temporary conditions of life. So the Lord covers it in the Bhagavad Gita in the 17th chapter. Now, this is 17 out of 18 chapters. So we're talking about the mature level, the further down the line understanding of the living entity's position. And in this material world, there's three types of faith, that in goodness, passion, and ignorance, because there's three modes of goodness, passion, and ignorance that nature's divided into. And in the mode of ignorance, one does not see himself as divine. And he sees himself as existing during this lifetime only. 
He doesn't consider there's anything hereafter. He doesn't consider there's intelligent design. He doesn't consider the material manifestation to have been created specifically for a purpose. He doesn't understand he's temporarily entrapped here. Therefore, he thinks this life is all I have. And his mentality becomes, who cares? He doesn't think he'll be held responsible for his actions. He doesn't think he has to do more than get along to get along. He doesn't care if the manifestation is a learning proving ground that he should be making use of. He only sees his desires. His desires predominate his existence and his values. And they that mentality, they end up wanting sex and money and control. And they become inimical to anyone or anything that interferes with that quest. And this becomes a, a crushing experience because they don't lead to what he wants. Because this material world is a place of struggle. And so instead of getting more and more and more and more freedom and opulence and opportunity, it works the opposite. And they become more and more frustrated. So the Vedic literature says this is an atheistic conception. And that trying to be the controller and trying to be happy in that condition and uh, leads one to atheism. He denies the existence of the Lord and he denies his being held responsible for his actions. And he considers himself independent and that this life is the all in all. He goes around, well, if I don't break a law, I won't go to jail, so I'll do little things that they don't catch me on. And he ends up leading a life of not really cooperating in humanity doesn't try to develop his consciousness, doesn't try to develop his knowledge. He's simply concerned with arranging things and information he requires to improve his condition. Now, if we look at the material manifestation and we take a look at the ingredients, it's made of earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And all of those combinations create the matter, the dull matter that's here. Then we have the body, which has the working senses, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the genitals, the hands, the legs. It has these components that are knowledge-acquiring tools and facilities for experiencing desires. Okay? Now, these are the components. These are the ingredients that make up the basis, background of life. And all the other things that are necessary for life, food and water and air and all these things, are provided externally. You do not produce the air and the water you require. You do not produce the body you require. You do not produce the mind required. These are all produced by a combination of these elements and factors by material nature. Now, if we take a look at any aspect of this, if you take a look at the intricacies of your body, or the body of a bird, or the fish, or the multitudes, 8,400,000 various species of life, we see an astonishing level of intellect required 
to create all of these different types of bodies and to make them reproductive and to make a balance where they can all cohabitat one planet. This is a multiple levels of advanced, very advanced, very intricate intelligence that is way, way, way beyond composition of man or composition of demigod or aliens or whatever you may think is more powerful than you or I. So this gives us a clue that this material manifestation is a creation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if you see that as a conception, as a proper conception of reality, then you go, why? Why did the Lord manifest this material world and put it together in such an amazing, complex, integrated set of multiple levels of reality simultaneously that are going on here? The answer is in the Vedic literature. It's for the living entities to experience desires because they rebelled against serving God and they wanted to enjoy independently and he allowed it to happen and created the material manifestation and thereby all the variegatedness that is here manifest. And the living entity can take any of the 8,400,000 species of life according to his level of rebelliousness, according to the qualities of his work, according to the level of desires. Now, to see all of this, basic facts, we're not talking belief here, we're talking basic structural scientific analysis here. If he sees all these facts and he then says it was a big bang, it was an accident, or it was just an evolutionary process, he becomes bewildered. Because none of those are actually possible. There's the concept of a big bang. Well, if you take a, a lot of elements and ingredients and you make it explode, it's not possible for it to reconstitute or recollect at such an unbelievably intricate combination and composite organization of natural events, natural structure, natural functions. Unbelievably impossible. It's like an explosion in a printing factory and the result is a dictionary. It is impossible. So we have to step back and go, this manifestation is not an accident. This manifestation did not evolve by its own. This manifestation was not created by some individual who was better than I was many years ago. This manifestation is the product of the supreme intelligence. And as such, I am dependent on that supreme intelligence for the facilities that I'm using while I'm here. This is the proper understanding. We don't make this place. We come with nothing. We leave with nothing. And we use a certain percentage that's our allotment while we're here. And if we understand that, we become grateful. Because these facilities give us the opportunity to interact and to experience, to achieve, to fulfill ourselves and help fulfill others. 
The rewarding side of our lives comes from the proper use of our independence and the proper engagement of all the facilities here. Now this is still on the material platform. I'm trying to do what I want, you're trying to do what you want, everybody's trying to do what they want, and somehow or other, within this material manifestation, everybody's trying to get what they want. Some people get it right away, some people it takes longer for those arrangements to come together, some people never achieve that. But the facilities of the opportunity are provided by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if you work, if you endeavor with the proper mentality, brings the facilities, it brings the opportunity closer and closer and closer. There was a great musician, and this musician had come to see our spiritual master, Sri Prabhupada. And he had some discussions and some questions, and Sri Prabhupada answered his questions and intellectual conversation. And when this great musician left, one of Srila Prabhupada's disciples asked him, how did he become such a great musician? How did he develop these unbelievable skills? And Prabhupada told him, after many lifetimes of endeavor. So this is a very interesting clue to our understanding that the, some of our desires are not so easily fulfilled. They may take many births of determination and endeavor and progress toward the perfection that we're after. Now this is a level of perfection that one can achieve in the material world, yes. But he has to take birth after birth after birth to do it. And every time one takes birth, you, me, or any other living entity in any other species of life, he has to go through the birth process and the growing up process and the knowledge acquiring process and the uh, uh, awakening process before he can return to his work. So this is important information to understand when we see that life and desires and our work are a combination of influences, a combination of energy that we need to be very conscious of how we are using. We don't want to waste our energy or our time. We can end up many, many lifetimes bouncing all over this planet, all over the universe on many planets, trying to fulfill our desires, trying to develop our consciousness, trying to develop a skill. And when we get to the perfection, it's just a material skill. It does not lead one back to their transcendental original existence as an eternal part and parcel of the Supreme Lord created to render service and exchange love. So the higher conception, the higher perspective is to return to your normal condition, transcendentally situated in the spiritual world, not the material world. And it takes many uh, lifetimes of endeavor to finally come to the point that you value spiritual realization more than you value material accomplishment. When you come to that lifetime where you value spiritual understanding more, then you become qualified to meet the spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, and read his books 
and reawaken your eternal occupation. We're stuck in our temporary predicament and temporary occupation, fulfilling temporary desires of a multitude of varieties, but they're still not on the spiritual platform. The activities on the spiritual platform are liberating. They cut through the knot of material existence. And as one meets the spiritual master and takes instruction from him, and he learns about the chanting of the Maha Mantra, and he learns the Vedic literature, the knot of recycling birth and death is cut. And one reawakens his eternal conception of life. This is the perfection of the human form of life. It's not available in all the other lower species. You have to work through those lower species until you're awakened and earn a human form of life. And in the human form of life, you must resist all of the distractions until you can actually focus on what is my eternal position versus my temporary position and see all of that in proper perspective, then you can work on your eternal occupation. You can work on purifying your consciousness, purifying your existence, and come to back to the platform of eternally conscious being engaged in devotional service. So this is a great science, and it shows you that the concept of my faith in this birth or my disbelief in a Supreme Personality of Godhead in this birth is simply an immature position. It's not to be complained about. It's not to be followed. It's not to be of significance. It's a evolutionary step on a ladder to self-realization, but it's not a place to stop. It has no significant value. And the frustrations that many atheistic people, many materialistic people, many confused people have is caused by identifying the self with the body. And when one overcomes that basic concept, these higher concepts of what is my faith, what is my religion, what is my occupation, what is my eternal position, what is my natural condition of existence, these higher concepts become predominant become more urgent, more important, and they become the focus of the living entity in this human form of life. And he can achieve the perfection he's looking for. What we're looking for is happiness, but the happiness we get in the material world is very fleeting. If you eat, you're all, oh, I love eating, okay, you eat. The happiness is only short period. I love sex, the happiness is only a short period. I love controlling others and pushing people around. It's only very short limited. So what we're looking for is happiness that does not end. We can extend the feeling of happiness constantly. This is the spiritual world though. It's not here. So we must be trained to look for what we want in the right place. There's no sense looking for water in a desert. Sorry, but if you look in the hills and mountains, there is water. So you have to understand this material world is the wrong place to look for permanent happiness. It can't be achieved here. 
it's the wrong place. But you can use your time here to separate out the illusion from the reality and learn where to look. Consciously, you can make contact with the spiritual world through the instructions of the spiritual master in the Vedic literature, associating of spiritual people, even while you're here in this material world. And you can turn your consciousness, you can turn your attention, you can focus your desires and your, your independent free will in such a way that you begin to revive and taste that happiness in a very short period of time. Now this takes us to the importance of the Maha Mantra. This great mantra for deliverance is a key of sound vibration that unlocks the feeling, the vibration, the feeling of love, of fulfillment, of full happiness, which is what we live in and taste in the spiritual world. We aren't able to do it so much here, but by the grace of this key, the Maha Mantra, it gives us the taste we are anxious for, we're looking for, the taste of love of God, the taste of purification. And that can be achieved instantly when one chants the Maha Mantra, hearing and chanting the mantra. It starts by hearing. And as you hear more and more and more, you then become released from the misconceptions. And the taste of love of God, the taste of purification is experienced, the taste of normal existence, your and my normal existence in the spiritual world becomes available to you, even in this body, even in this material world, in a matter of moments. So this is why this Maha Mantra is called the Great Mantra for Deliverance. It is prescribed by the Lord himself as the only way. He repeats it three times. There is no other way, no other way, no other way than chanting the names of the Lord in this age for purification. Everything else is simply on the edge, on the fringe. And it doesn't deliver the unending spiritual happiness which is normal condition for you and I as eternal spiritual beings. So take to chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra. You can hear it in the background at the moment. I'm sure you've heard it on our program. We try to give it to you each time we're on air. And use that mantra for what it's intended. It is the key to unlock the storehouse of love of God so you can taste it and remind yourself of what you're actually looking for purified, selfless, loving, devotional service to the Lord, where ultimate happiness is free and constantly available. The taste, the feeling, the experience of happiness is uninterrupted by the grace of the Holy Name and the spiritual master. Take to hearing and reading the Vedic literature and step up to that higher concept of spiritual life. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.